Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. All right, all right, here we are again. I am going to talk about a really um, interesting topic for me because I'm not exactly sure how this is going to turn out. So thanks for joining me. As always, I do definitely appreciate you giving me your time. I want to talk about um, this. It's kind of piggybacking off of the the last one um, with this uh, court case that is possibly going to um, uh, undo the Roe versus Wade. Uh, there's there's a lot to this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to you know, pace this in a way that you can grasp. But just understand, if you got to go back and listen again, uh, feel free hit that rewind button, go back to the beginning and hit play again. Um, I'm gonna go through a lot of stuff in a short period of time, and like I said, I'm not even a hundred percent sure where this is gonna end up quite yet because uh, I am formulating this as we speak over the last week. I want to start with the idea of justice. Uh, I have talked about it many times in here, and justice is a very interesting topic. Uh, you know, the way I treat justice is about fairness. It's not about equality. That's what I say. When I looked up the definition, because one of the things that I need to do is what I'm asking others to do, right? If I'm, you know, as a therapist, if I'm asking somebody to uh, make growth and progress a, a priority in their life, I need to do likewise. And so I went ahead and I reviewed, and there were three clearly different definitions of justice. Uh, rewards and punishments. It's about creating the, uh, the balance between rewards and punishments. It's about impartiality. And or it's about truth, fact, or reason. Well, that right there is causing a lot of a lot of problems. Those definitions are so broad and so challenging to understand. Even one of them, uh, and you know, I, I, I'm not normally a, a, a linguist, uh, but that just inherently sh- like screams problem to me as a therapist. If we can't agree on a clear definition, then our communication is going to be about different things and it's going to break down. If I'm talking about A and you're talking about B, but we both think we're talking about the same thing, we're going to be on the wrong page the whole time. We're actually going to, our conversation is going to be uh, terrible. It's just going to be terrible. We have to get to a common definition. So one of the things that I want to do is, uh, you know, I want to challenge what you think you know and then Um, provide you some other options. Uh, We'll see where that takes us. So rewards and punishments. Is justice about rewards and punishments? Maybe. Uh, I think, what does it mean to be made whole, right? If, If you're punished, then you'd have to be rewarded to get back to whole. If you're rewarded, then do you have to be punished to get back to whole, right? You can't carry more than you deserve. Well, then we got that whole question about what do you deserve? I think there's a better possible term to to be looking at. I think we need to look at uh, the term reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation is, is it's a term that we use when somebody is wronged. In therapy, I'll say if somebody if you wrong somebody, what do you have to do to reconcile to bring it back to a uh, a reasonable place? 
Um, that may be apologize. That may be, uh, you know, pay for their uh, headphones that you broke. Or that may be, um, you know, you lost their iPods. So now you got to go and work and spend a bunch of money and get them new ones. You know, it's it's something that brings them back to a, 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 a what would be reasonable, right? Like it would be reasonable that we do that. Um, that's all good until we talk about feelings. How do we legalize or create justice, legislate? I'm going to talk to the, about those two terms here in a minute. But how do we do that with justice? Because it's super easy to get emotionally stuck in blaming, accusing, justifying our position, being a victim. It's very easy to get stuck in those mindsets. And when we do, we are unreasonable. We are unreasonable. And therefore, we won't be satisfied with reconciliation because we're stuck. We want to blame and accuse. We want them to own more than they should. Because only when they rebalance, when they put all of that on the other side, do we think that we are made whole. But that's not what reconciliation is. Reconciliation is about bringing it back to an equilibrium. It is not about balancing it out. You did 10 oranges worth of wrong, so you have to do 10 oranges worth of right to bring it back. No, it's you did 10 oranges worth of wrong. What is it going to take to correct those wrongs. And truthfully, it's almost never going to be a full reconciliation, meaning it's never going to be fully made 100% correct. I did $10 in damage. I replaced it with $10. It's normally going to be uh, less than that, right? Because there's the relational make it right also. We relationally make it right. One of the things that we can do to relationally make things right is to own our part in it, not more than our part. That would be wrong. That would be compounding problems, making the problem bigger because now you're not believable either. Relationally, that doesn't help. But to go out of our way to try to correct, uh, you know, if, if I if I screw something up with my wife and I apologize. That may be enough. Sometimes I need to apologize and bring her flowers because what I did was pretty egregious. And, you know, she needs to know that I truly am very sorry. And I can do that through behaviors as well, not just words. So restoration um, of, uh, of, of where we are. So 10 to 10, that's ideal, but that's almost never going to happen. That's not justice. Like when, when a life is lost, we can never bring back the life. So we restore to the best of our ability up to that point. And the first and most significant thing is own it. If you screwed up, you screwed up. All right. Um, I, I have worked with addicts in the past quite a bit. Uh, one of the things that I, I, it just drives me absolutely batty when I hear it. I understand why I hear it, but it drives me nuts because it's like, well, I was intoxicated. I didn't mean to. Here's where that falls through for me. Did you put the bottle to your mouth? The first one. Were you sober when you put the first one to your mouth? 
Yes. Then you chose to go down that path. Yeah, but I didn't know it was... Of course you didn't. We don't voluntarily say, hey, I'm going to wake up to... Most most people don't. I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to... How much damage can I create? Let's create a whole bunch of damage. That'll be fun. Most people don't do that. I'd say there there are the rare, rare, very rare occasions where people are like, I want to create as much hate and viciousness and horribleness that I possibly can. I don't I just don't think that most people are there. There's a very small percentage of people who are just um, what I would term you know evil, right? But most people, they don't want to do that. They, they wake up with an intent to try to accomplish something for good. Um, so restoration is to try to make whole um, what in many cases can't be made whole. So we, we just do the best that we can. And when we screw something up, we overdo it in, in, in the repair. But we repair not to just one aspect, but all aspects. It can't be just a monetary repair. It needs to be an emotional, uh, relational repair because we hurt people and hurt people need to be healed by other people, oftentimes our own selves. Okay. The, that was a kind of a, a, a detour per se down that path of reconciliation, but I, I, I wanted to get there. Um, I did mention the feelings piece. I'm going to go ahead uh, and I'm going to skip to that right now. So hang in there with me. This ride is going to be a bumpy ride, but there's two things I want to say about feelings. From a therapeutic standpoint, uh, feelings matter. A hundred percent, they matter. And feelings are kind of fickle. They change right? We could feel really good about something one day and that same exact thing in a month drives us absolutely crazy. Feelings are fickle. They are a piece of information. They tell us stuff, but they do not always tell us the hundred percent truth. Feelings can actually taint the truth and make it, make it so that we don't see it well. And what we are talking about in this whole Roe versus Wade thing that's going on, we are trying to legalize something. This is not about legislating something. It's different. Legislating something is oftentimes about feelings. That's what political environments are all about. They, they want to manage your feelings because that manages your vote. But legally... We're not about managing feelings. We want to manage the law. What that means in this situation would be it goes back to the states. Well, now the states have to decide individually how to manage the feelings. They have to legislate it. They have to do it through their uh, their process of of creating rules, administrative rules, and stuff like that, not through the court systems, but through the political systems. And then those have to then be supported by the court system. So you see how that works. They, we are trying to legislate feelings because legislating feelings allows us to get votes. We cannot legalize feelings. 
Feelings are what feelings are. You have them. That doesn't mean you have the right to do any particular thing. You know, because you're feeling angry doesn't mean you can go punch somebody. Because you're feeling sad doesn't mean you should go and, um, uh, you know, use a bunch of drugs. You don't have the right to break the law because of a feeling. Okay. Back on track. Uh, Hopefully what I'm doing here is challenging some of your thinking. I want to do this one more time. I want to assume wrongness. So with this whole uh, Roe versus Wade thing that's going on, I'm going to assume I am wrong. And I'm going to look at this from both angles. If, If I am wrong, then I have to find, based on curiosity and exploration, what is most right. Remember, right and wrong is typically on a spectrum. There's 5,000 rights, there's 5,000 wrongs for each individual situation. And there is one that is most right, and there are thousands that are still right, just not necessarily most right. And the problem we have is when we are at 5,000 and we only, um, you know, the most right, we will look at somebody who is not most right and say they are wrong when in fact they are partially right. If they're just not all the way down that spectrum, but they are definitely not wrong. So we got to, we got to keep that in mind. Um, but let's assume wrongness. That means I have to look at this and say, if it's upheld, what does that mean? If it is dissolved, what does that mean? So let's start with if it's uh, upheld and Roe versus Wade stays in place, then that means that legally abortion cannot be banned. Okay, regardless of what I believe, I'm going to assume wrongness and I'm going to say, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing for our culture? Hmm. Well, assuming that my opinion that I had is incorrect, I'm going to try to be unbiased. I would say it's probably not either necessarily good or bad. Either way, I'm trusting people to make good decisions along the way. So then the question I have is, are people in our culture capable of making good decisions? I would say the majority of them, yes. Well, what about people who want to um, abort their baby? Are they capable of making good decisions? I would say emotions are going to play a massive part in that. And so there there will be some impairment in their decision-making process. But if they have the right support systems around them, then yes, they would still be able to make a good decision. Well, then, then, then my question becomes is, does a typical, and I'm, I have to go with typical, not, not, this does not carry, this does not cover every case. I know that. But does a typical person who's going to request or require an abortion have the ability to create good support systems around them? That's really a questionable thing. I would say probably more often than not, probably not the best support systems around them. Sometimes, yes. But I wouldn't say that that would be the majority. 
So that being said, I think they're going to be highly emotional and potentially um, make decisions that they might later regret because they don't necessarily have the greatest support systems around them. When I look at just just the numbers of like how many people would want to abort, how much, you know, what is their support systems like? And let me tell you how that plays out therapeutically on the back end. I have not yet met somebody who has aborted a baby and said, I am really proud of that decision. I have met people who've said, I had to make that hard decision at that hard time in my life. I wish I had more options. I wish I had, and yet they don't have massive regrets. I have met that, that person, those people. Um, not many, but they, I have met some. I have, um, you know, I have not yet met a single person who said I had a child and I regret having a child. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but they haven't ended up in my office. So there are, I have also, I've run into a lot of adoptions, like a lot of adoptions. And in those situations, similarly, uh, I hear people who uh, you know, massively regret it. Uh, giving up their child. But then I also have heard people who said I was in a place I had to do that. That was, that was the right thing for that child, um, for my child. And so like, these are hard conversations to have that I, that I have engaged in. And, uh, you know, if I'm looking at it from those vantage points, I would say our role and responsibility is to get more support systems around people who are pregnant that may not have great support systems. I think that's true whether they're married or unmarried, whether they're teens or adults. I mean, pregnant women need support. Let's be real. They need support. Sometimes that, that might mean you just, you run an errand for them and get them something that they're, you know, they're craving. Great. But let's get pregnant women more support, period. I think that's one of our roles. That's, if I'm assuming wrongness, the pathway that I go down. Now, I'm not telling you that that's the right and the only pathway, but that's the pathway my mind goes down, having seen and experienced things that I have seen and experienced. Of course, I didn't tell you which way I go on this topic. Um, there's a reason for it. Uh, you know, we, we can have that conversation at a later date, but right now, I just want to lay these things out. One of the ways we can tell if somebody is reasonable in their presentation is through paraverbals. I'm going to put that out there because I want you to have that. Paraverbals are tone, volume, and cadence. The way in which we show up to a conversation absolutely matters, but not just being present, but our tone, volume, and cadence. When we, uh, when I'm listening to um, all, all of these um uh, the the news outlets that are that are putting on there all of these protests and stuff and i hear the tone volume and cadence you know, i'm not talking about reasonable people unfortunately i just, we're just not and it, i don't care which side you're on on this debate the screaming and the shouting and the like that is not reasonable relational i want to learn and grow and become better i want to participate in you know the the way that this should go down um which is you know we want to look at the different angles and make the best decision we possibly can in a hard case hard case. Let's be real. This, this is a hard case. 
because it's going to change the view uh, that we have legally moving forward, um, whichever way we go. So to be screaming and yelling and chanting, God, it's just so archaic. We, we, in my opinion, could infuse a little empathy and attempt to hear what each side has, and we would actually walk away with a better understanding and more compassion and empathy and love for the, uh, the people who disagree with us. That would be a good thing. But instead, what, what I'm seeing out there and hearing out there, and it's not all that I'm hearing. I'm, I do hear that there are some, some debates and dialogues going on, but I'm, I'm hearing people getting rooted in, what did I say at the beginning? Blaming, accusing, justifying, and victimizing. That's what I'm seeing. Well, that's stuckness. That does not create justice and reconciliation. It creates problems and chaos, and it's all emotional which means the legislatures in the states or at the federal level, the House, the Senate, they need to get in and talk about the emotions of it. It's an emotional topic. And they need to put things in place that allow people to know what we're going to do with their emotion. I hope that all makes sense. So other options for you? Um be patient, be considerate, non-judgmental. When we think about being impartial, patience is a necessity. It is not an, I like this, this is nice. It's a requirement. We have to be patient. So, you know, whether these, and now I, I do get that, you know, the, the justices now are, you know, possibly concerned for safety and stuff like that. That makes sense to me. But we have to be patient and let them do their thing. They're doing the best that they know how, I hope. I really believe that they are. I think they're there in those positions for that purpose, to do the best that they know how. And we should be patient with them. Let them do it and make sure they have a, 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 some resemblance of safety along the way. Remember, safety is about physical, spiritual, emotional it's not just one thing that we need to make it safe. Well, unfortunately, somebody has ruined some of that safety because they leaked these, uh, this, uh, you know, this early version that was going around. And that's, that's a, a real breach of, of trust. Another thing that we can do, we can be honest. We can be honest and say, like, that, I, I hate that. that. That hurts me. Like, I, I have had this experience, and because of that, these things hurt me. Okay. Like, I can live with that. I can live with you telling me where something hurts you, and I can try to be sensitive and kind and caring around that, and yet have a different view. Because it doesn't hurt me necessarily, or maybe it does, and it doesn't hurt you, and you need to be sensitive. We can do that relationally. And we need to. We need to do that. We don't need to strive to be right as much as we need to strive to be honest. Because rightness comes when we're honest. We get more correct because people will come to us and say, hey, I, I got to give you this information because I don't know if you notice it. 
And being honest in that moment could give me information to make corrections on my views, on my thoughts, on my feelings, to put my feelings in check or to allow my feelings to grow and be, you know, like, for instance, I'll give you the best one. When we're honest, we can love more deeply. We can love our friends more deeply. We can love our family more deeply. We can love our, our coworkers more deeply, our clients, our therapists, our, our politicians. When there's honesty, we can love more deeply. So we have to infuse honesty. And this is just, these are just my opinions. And then the empathy, I know I already hit on it, but empathy is so important. Just make an effort to see the other side, right? Like I hear people talking about murdering babies. You know, somebody who's having an abortion, I, I don't know that I've one time heard them say, I just wanted to murder my baby. That's not their intent. It's not their intent. Now, whether that decision is right or wrong, if their intent is not to murder the baby, then why do we say it like that? When a doctor's aborting a baby, why do we say it's murdering a baby? That's not their intent. Now, maybe through, um, you know, through the channels of hard discussion, we can have the conversation about the viewpoint of we feel like it's murdering a baby or it actually is murdering a baby and discuss as to why that would be. But when when we put that person who is aborting a baby in the same category as a murderer, when that is not their intent, we're not going to be able to hear them well. Now, I'm again assuming wrongness. Assuming wrongness, meaning I'm trying to see it from both sides because I'm assuming that I don't have it right. And I don't know what right might be. Okay. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. I I can, I can tell you for one, for me, I am grateful that I am not the judge at the end of a life. I'm not the judge. I'm not the one saying, yeah, you're good. You're a great, you were a great person, you know, come on into the pearly gates. Like that's not my role. And I am so grateful for that. I went over a very huge amount of uh, topics here. It is my hope that you have been challenged and that you have options that you can go to when you're talking about justice or when you see blaming accusations, justifications, or victimizations to take a step back. Take a step back and ask yourself about the feelings involved. Your own. And theirs. Ask yourself about their paraverbals. Are they reasonable? Can we tell through their paraverbal communication? Okay. Um, The difference between reconciliation and restoration and justice. You know, take a look at what justice actually means. Is it about rewards, punishments, impartiality, truth, facts, or reasons? Those are all very different things. What do we mean? What do you mean? When you say justice these days, because we don't have a common definition and the slippery, slippery slope of, of blaming accusations, justifications, and victimizations, like don't go down it. Just don't go down it. Um, be honest, 
Attempt to be non-judgmental as much as you can. That doesn't mean everything goes. Non-judgmental just means I'm going to attempt to see it as, as you might so that I don't unnecessarily accuse, blame, and justify my own position. That doesn't mean we don't establish boundaries. We absolutely establish boundaries. We just do it as best we can, non-judgmental of the other party. Hey, I'm not telling you that you are, are, are wrong. What I'm telling you is when you do this, it hurts me. Or I believe this to be wrong, and I would prefer that you not do that when I'm around. That's a boundary. That doesn't mean I hate you. It doesn't mean that that's fair game. It's a boundary. Empathize, empathize, empathize. It's not about being right. It's about understanding. As we gain understanding, we can become more right. I really believe that. But we can't be understanding if we are con, always or often confirming our own bias. It cannot be that. It has to be an open mind, an open discussion to the possibility that I have something to learn. I may be right fundamentally, but if I am closed-minded, I become wrong in my approach. I may be right on the moral grounds and wrong on my relational grounds. I can do that. I'm very capable. I've done it before. And the problem is, I think some of you out there may be doing the same thing. Try to get right relationally and morally and see what happens. That's what I'm going to leave you with today. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great day.